I'm going to read out of the book of Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to read verse 15. It says, looking carefully, lest anyone falls short of the grace of God. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment, because we were told that you cannot exhaust the grace of God, that it knows no limits, it has no boundaries, and it knows no limitations. And here, the great writer of the Hebrews, which I believe it's the Apostle Paul, he's telling us that be careful, lest we fall short of this grace lest any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. I want to speak to you this morning about the root that kills the fruit. This root of bitterness shortens the grace of God and kills the fruit of the Spirit on your life, and it causes much trouble in church, in life, and in work, and in day-to-day. Father, thank you today for your word. It's a lamp and it's a light. Let our hearts, God, unite with yours and let our freedom be found today in forgiveness. In Jesus' name, and all God's men and women said, amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much, worship team. One more time, can we give them a round of applause? Thank you. I want you to think about that because I don't want you to miss Labor Day weekend. It's our anniversary weekend. Jennifer and I will be here. Uh, September 2nd is our uh, anniversary, 18 years. Our counselor says we're doing a lot better. So we are experiencing that on September, but we're also giving you a big news. Everybody say big news. Big news on that Labor Day weekend about the future of Oasis Ministries, and it's exciting. So I want you to think about something this morning. This thing that kills the fruit of your life, this root of bitterness, it defiles, trouble, many. There's all these negative things that happen with this root that kills the fruit. So what is bitterness? Because it's hard to have a right relationship with God and yet a wrong relationship with other people. It's hard to have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, but yet being filled with bitterness and anger and hostility. Those things don't go together. They're oil and vinegar. They just don't mix. So what is bitterness? Webster's defines it as this, having a sharp, unpleasant taste. Have you ever been around a bitter person? They're no fun. No bueno. They are no good. They're no fun to be around. That's why bitterness is born in the act of unforgiveness. Do you know if you and I do not forgive another person, God and all of his might and majesty cannot forgive us? You say, well, who says that, Joey? The Bible. Listen to Matthew 6 and 14. It says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you your trespasses. But if you forgive men not their trespasses, your heavenly Father will not forgive you of your sins, your trespasses. Friends, this is where the rubber meets the road. Forgiveness is cleansing. It is not whitewashing. When a friend or a family member makes a wrong decision, makes a mistake, we do not need to rub it in. We need to rub it out with the power of forgiveness. It's really that simple. That's why forgiveness is something so powerful. What is it? It's a full pardon. It's the canceling of a debt. Forgiveness is a fresh start. It's a a new beginning. How many of you ever noticed something? That it's a lot easier to forgive your enemies after you've gotten even with them. You ever noticed that? Can I see your hand? It's true. How many of you have trouble telling the truth on Sunday morning? 
It's a lot easier forgiving somebody after you whacked them or shared your, your I'm just telling it like it is. I'm just going to, this is my heart. I'm just sharing my heart. Really? You ought not do that in the fit of rage, my friend. There's something to be said about getting even with somebody, then you're forgiving them. It reminds me of the story of the blind man. He was crossing the street. He was led by a C&I dog. In the middle of the street, he, he noticed that the dog stopped. The dog just stopped. Actually, the dog just laid down. A good Samaritan seeing what was happening, he couldn't believe that the blind man was in the middle of the street and the dog was just laying there in the middle of the street. So the good Samaritan, he raced over, he grabbed the blind man by his hand, he picked up the dog, he carried them both across the street safely. And a moment later, the blind man reached into his pocket, he grabbed a cookie, and he began to feed the dog. The good Samaritan, kind of bewildered by why he would do that, he asked the man the question, why are you feeding that dog a cookie when he let you down and left you in the middle of the street? And the blind man says, well, I have to locate his head before I can kick his behind. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm going to give you another one now because you're laughing. It was the woman that was, uh, she went into a bar and three, no. <laughs> no, but this woman, she got bitten by a rabid dog and she waited too late to get to get treatment for the bite. And so she went to the doctor, and the doctor says, I'm sorry, you waited too long. This is terminal. You're going to have to make out your last will and testament. So the lady asked for a tablet, and she began to write and write page after page after page. And the doctor finally, he just said to her, this is the longest will and testament I've ever seen. And the woman said, this is not my will. This is all the people I'm going to bite when I get out of here. <laughs> Forgiveness. Forgiveness. How many of you have ever failed and you needed forgiveness? Can I see your hand? All of us have, right? Some of us fail three times in a day, five times in a day, and we need forgiveness. That's why forgiveness is the key and unlocks the handcuffs of hatred. It's the key that brings supernatural power and brings forth the blessing. Forgiveness is the key that breaks the chains of the enemy and causes unity to spring forth in the life. That's why forgiveness is the only thing in your life that will bring you absolute peace and joy. Forgiveness is not soft-hearted foolishness. It's your first step towards spiritual health physical health and mental health. You have to understand forgiveness is not for the other person's benefit. It is for your benefit. So if there's someone in your life that has hurt you, that has wronged you, that has betrayed you, that's talked about you, that has lied about you, that has abused you, has forsaken you for your benefit and for your well-being, forgive them and let them go because there's freedom in forgiveness. But some people, they live in what I call in an emotional hell. Their heart is breaking because of the rejection of a close friend, the rejection of a mother, a father, the betrayal of a spouse that walked out on them, the bitter divorce of the parent. You feel like they didn't divorce one another more than they divorced you. The bitterness has come. The resentment has brewed. And now this root has sprung forth and it's defiling many without even you acknowledging it or understanding it. You're suffering because you've been abused and you've been offended. Now it's happening in the church. You've been offended by someone in the church. You've been offended by someone who was close to you and that resentment has festered in your soul and bitterness is now controlling you and it's out of control like a raging cancer. Some of you 
You've had a childhood that was destroyed by a father that didn't love you, that abandoned you, a mother that totally ignored you. She liked your other siblings, and you were the least favorite in the bunch. A, a life, and now you're reliving these moments because it's so festered, these moments of anger, these moments of loneliness, these moments of insecurity, these moments of rejection. Words are now coming to the theater of your mind over and over, and now it's haunting you night and day. You laugh, but you're laughter's hollow. You smile, but behind that mask is the constant drip of tears. You're going through the motion of life, but now it's like you become a robot. You've searched for relief for magic formulas that are provided by the druggist, that are provided by the distillery. They're provided by the local drug dealer, but there is no relief. It's not found in a prescription. It's not found in a bottle. It's not found in a psychologist. Where do you find it? The solution is found in God's forgiveness. It's true. It's found in forgiveness. But friends, you have to know, forgiveness is not weakness. Let's say that together. Forgiveness is not weakness. It's really your first step toward hope. It's your first step toward healing. It's your first step toward true happiness. It's your first step toward freedom. It's really your first step to a new beginning. So I urge you today, learn to forgive yourself and forgive the ones that have hurt you, not for their benefit, but for your benefit. Do you know something? It's not what happens to you. It's how you and I react to what happens to us. You know, you can get bitter or you can get better. It's a choice that we all have to make. You can live your life from one offense to another, or you can live your life letting these offenses go by faith, not by your emotion, but letting them go because you know God's got a greater plan and he's got better ways for you to live by. I want you to think about that because I've often said a ship that's in a sea, it's not a problem. But you let that sea get into the ship. Now you've got yourself a problem. All of us sail through life and offenses come. And it's always by people that have access to us, people that have once loved us, people that we've once taken to our confidence, people that have once we've, we've poured into and we've tried to help and we've had our best intentions and our best foot forward and now offenses have come and you can sail through this thing and bitterness can come and get over it or you can let it get on the inside of you and begin the death process, and it starts to come out of you, out of your speech, out of your emotions, out of your mind. And I say to you today, forgive quickly so that your mind, your health, your emotion, your family can be spared, and you and I can know the peace of the Lord that makes rich and out of no sorrow, and that joy that God can give, that the world doesn't give it, therefore it cannot take away. That's why if we do not forgive another, God God cannot forgive us. Jesus said for you and I to forgive so we can be forgiven. Do you know Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God for Christ's sake forgave you, you also to forgive one another. That's important to know because we're to be kind one to another. Rudeness has never been in style. Never has, never will. When we're rude to people, it's not the forgiveness and grace of God. And that often happens when we've been offended, when we've been hurt. Now, if God is perfect, how many of you know God is perfect? And if God is perfect and he has forgiven us while we were at our worst, the scriptures say, while, while, while I was at my rock bottom and my sin, God in all of his glory forgave me and gave me his life instead of re, me receiving my life. I got his life and a great exchange happened. So if God in all of his goodness forgives us, 
then all of our in goodness, I know it's not proper English, but it sounds so good. But God in all of uh, his goodness forgives us and all of our ungoodness, how come we can't forgive another's? And I can tell you why. Because we go, Joey, I, you don't understand. You don't understand what they've done to me. You don't understand. I can't forgive my mom. I can't forgive my dad. I can't forgive that church member. I can't forgive that spouse. I can't forgive. I can't. No, you can, but what happens is we don't want to because of the pain that is attached to that person and that circumstance. We don't want to because we have this thing inside of us that's now attaching it to the person and the circumstance. But that's why forgiveness is never optional. It's an act of your will, not your emotions. You have to do this by faith. The same faith you receive Jesus is the same faith you forgive yourself and the ones that have hurt you the most. The story is told out of Matthew 18. I'm going to paraphrase it, Joey Stillman translation, because this story is a magnificent story because forgiveness is so important. And the story is told of this unmerciful slave. The king called this slave that owed this insurmountable debt. It was $10 million today's standards. It was 10 times the total taxes of the whole nation. So in other words, he owed an impossible debt. And the king ordered him to pay up all that he owed. Well, obviously the slave, he didn't have 10 times the nation's total debt to give back. He owed an impossible debt. He couldn't pay it. It was so impossible. How dare the king ask for it to be paid in full? The slave fell on his face and he says, I can't pay you. I can't pay you. I don't have it. And the king ordered him sold along with his wife and his children, ordered him to, to be sold and to pay off everything that he owed. He fell on his face. He begged for mercy. He pleaded to the king, I'll work day and night. I'll pay it off. If you just give me another chance, it's impossible, but I can do it if you just help me. And the king, the scriptures say, showed him mercy forgave him the slave of all the debt. And that same slave, he went out into the streets after being forgiven of so much. He saw a fellow servant just like him, somebody of, of like personality, of like, uh, of, of like vocation, just like him. And he owed him $20. Here he's forgiven of 10 million and his fellow friend owes him just 20 bucks, a minor, a minor thing but he couldn't pay him the 20. He got angry. He threw him into debtor's prison because it was his legal right to do it. They had a law back then. If somebody owed you something, you could lock them up until they paid you back in full. That's why the scriptures say, don't owe anybody anything. And this is a story that's so unlike what we do in life because we get forgiven, but somebody does something and we say, pay up. Pay up what you owe me. Pay up what you owe me. Pay it back to me. Pay up what you owe me. And here this guy, he's been forgiven of so much, he wrings the neck of the guy who owes him just 20 bucks. And the fellow slaves that watched the sad scene unfold, they told the king what had happened. The king called the slave in, the one that had been forgiven of so much, and he said this recorded in the New Testament, you wicked slave, you knew I have forgiven you of an impossible debt. Could you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And the Bible says the king was moved with anger, and he called him to be thrown in with the tormentors the rest of his life until he could pay off all that debt. Friends, if you and I don't forgive another, God cannot forgive us. 
Then comes what I call the tormentors. Now think about that for a moment. That slave that was in jail for $20, a small amount, a minor act of forgiveness could have set him free, but forgiveness was not forgiven to him because he said, it's my right. I know I've been forgiven of so much, but it's my right to have him put in prison. And it was, it was. But think about this. Do you want to be right or do you want to be reconciled? There's a world of difference, but we live in a society today of entitlements and everybody is screaming and hollering, especially a political crowd. My right, my right. What about my right? What about my rights? Do you want to be reconciled or do you want to be right? If you're only concerned about your rights, you will not forgive another person. Do you know the church in America is, is not crippled by Satan or his demonic hordes? They are under our feet. The attacks that are happening in Hollywood and socialism and all the nonsense that's going on in the world, that's not the church's crippling problem. The problem with the church is that Christians who love God will not forgive and forget. Where is the forgiveness in the house of God? If I had a dollar for every time I've heard this statement, I could retire. She can retire off what I tell. I can retire off this one and live in Hawaii. I could retire if I had a dollar for every person that's come throughout the years and say, Joey, I'd like to tell the church and the people in the church what I've been through. But, you know, I'm afraid if I just get real like that, the people in the church will not look at me the same way again. Why? Because they know that people that sit in that congregation will get on the phone and say, let's just make it a matter of prayer. And then they miss it for over here. And before you know it, it goes to half truth, no truth, bizarro stuff. And then it's wild, ungodly stuff. And before it gets back around to them again, you're a premeditated serial killer. <laughs> it's true. Where is the forgiveness is the house of God. There's a two by four in your own eye and you're walking around like some sanctimonious saint talking about that person's plank in their eye. You're not going to be translated out of here before we are. Why don't you just let it go and let God? You're not the judge. God is. And let go and let God have it. Do you know? If Christians would start forgiving Christians, if believers would start forgiving believers, we would have the nonsense of people going to this church, and now I'm offended, and I'm going to that church, and now I'm going to be offended by what he says. Now, I don't like the bald guy, what he said. I'm going over there. If we would forgive and start being Christians, there would be a mighty revival that would sweep the land, and the power, signs, and miracles would come. If we just would learn to forgive. It's so important. So shall I forgive and forget? You have to. You say, well, how can I forgive and forget? You got to put your mind on heavenly things. You got to forgive and forget. So in other words, don't tell us you've forgotten and remind us every 30 days how much you forgot. You say, well, I forgive them, but every time we see you, you're reminding us of what they did to you. That's what happens in husbands and wives, right? They get into a fight and they, they say, I remember what you did back in 1992, back in 2002. No, forgive and forget. That was one thing that my daddy did really well. My daddy wasn't raised in church, but you know, he had a great gift. He would give you something and he wouldn't attach it to anything. 
So in other words, he would bless you with something, he'd give you something, and he didn't have a lot to give, but what he did give, he gave it with no strings attached. He gave love with no strings attached, and I really envy that, and I wish we would get to that people place as believers, where we would forgive without any strings attached, that we would let it go and let God have it. But understand, and this is worth the teaching alone, forgiveness when they're in your sphere of influence and they have access to you requires a change. It does, because to grant forgiveness without change makes the grace of God an accomplice to evil. So in other words, there are people in your life that you won't have access to, or they shouldn't have access to you. You forgive them, and you just let them go. But if they're going to be in your life, in your feed, in your social media, in your day-to-day life, you know, block, delete, take out, that's more than social media. You ought to do that in life. It's true. Because sometimes forgiveness demands change. It's not soft-hearted foolishness. If you're going to have people in your life, there are people all over this community that I love, that, that, I, that I, I love, I pray for. But I got to tell you, they've so been uh, used by Satan, they're not in this sphere of influence anymore. Yes, I love them. Yes, I forgive them. But they're not coming to the table at the Stillman home anytime soon until there's full repentance and change until there's change. Yes, I love them. Yes, I forgive them. But I want you to know that happens with so many people. They love God. They mean well. And it's just like the woman who lets the husband beat on her. And he says, I'll change next time. I promise. And then the next week he hits her again. And I would say, you need to hit him with a frying pan and say, hit the road, Jack, and don't come back. You say, well, that sounds evil. No, that's just like God. He says, demand a change. He wouldn't hit you, but you get my point. Joey would, but God wouldn't. Joey would hit you with a frying pan if you started acting ugly, but God wouldn't. But think about what God says here. I can go further, but I'm going to get real in trouble. I got some, yeah, (laughs) reeling in, okay. But it demands a change. It's like the woman who gets abused by her husband over and over, physical abuse, verbal abuse, and and says, well, I'm I'm waiting for him to change. He's not going to change until you do. You have to make the decision to get them away and get them out because forgiveness demands change. Now, think about this this morning, how important this is, because Jesus gives us and the Bible gives us levels. There's things that we can get on an elementary level, a surface level. Then there are things that are deep. Every story in the Bible, everything we learn in the scriptures has levels of understanding. And when Jesus was told to come because the Pharisees brought the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, there's a a level that's surface level for all of us to understand that the Pharisees represented law. Jesus represented grace, that surface level understanding. But there's another deeper level there. Jesus says, deeper than just grace, neither do I condemn thee, but don't sin any more. So in other words, I forgive you, I love you because I'm full of grace, but I also have truth. And in my truth, I realize that that conduct and that those actions are not going to produce the best life for you. So therefore, I'm encouraging you to not live that life anymore. I'm expecting you to change. See, that's a deeper level that many Christians leave alone. They just say, oh, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. Yeah, I forgive you, but you're not coming over to the table eating with me until you change. I don't care if you do it in Jesus' name till the cows come home. You're not coming over. 
You say hurtful things, you're mean, you're rude, you do all that crazy stuff, you bad mouth, you do all that stuff, you're hurtful, you're abusive, I love you, I forgive you, but you ain't coming over to my house, Jack, until you change. You say, I've never heard of such a thing. Well, now you have. You should do that. And I'm not doing it, and I'm obviously, I'm, I'm building it up, making it, making light of it so you smile. But it's true. You can do it in love. You can do it in grace. You can do it in Jesus. But you shouldn't let people come in to your personal space. This is your personal space. Anything that violates your personal space, you shouldn't let them come into your personal space physically, emotionally, or socially until there is change. I'm preaching a lot better than your amen, but you know what? I love you. It's all good. It's so true. But as we close our time this morning, forgiveness has to be accepted. Forgiveness is never earned. So you have to accept this free gift of forgiveness that Jesus has given. It's not earned. It has to be accepted. You don't earn forgiveness by crawling down the aisle of a cathedral, kissing the toe of a statue. You are only forgiven by the blood of the Lamb and the grace of Almighty God. You're not you can't, you're not forgiven by doing great things for God. If I do more things for God, then I'll truly be forgiven. You, the Bible says all of our righteousness, they're like filthy rags. Nobody's righteous, no, not one. We don't get good enough to get into heaven. We're only good because he's good. And because he's good, therefore we can be good because that's what lives on the inside of us. Many people, they find it difficult though to forgive themselves. And they do because they, they want to do good. And then the, what happens is when they want to do good, it seems like they do the worst. Isn't that true? People that live hard lives and they get saved, they give their life to the Lord, they want to do good. And it seems like then the next stage of their life, more drama, more problems, more sinning than ever before. But that's why forgiveness is not earned. It, you just have to accept it. You just have to accept it. It's free or it's not grace. And people try to they earn forgiveness by giving money. So I'll try to do that. People try to do that. If I give, then, then, you know, and that's not what the testimony was about today. The testimony was a testimony of faith, not attaching it to a, to if you give, then people will get saved. No, it's a given an assignment, given that seed an assignment. God wants obedience, never sacrifice, over sacrifice any day of the week. It's true. And, and you can't pay your way out of it. But, you know, sometimes in religion, you can. You really can. It reminds me of the story of the woman who had a a dog, you know how dogs can be very close to people and her dog died. And so when her dog died, she, she took it to the only place she knew, the, the Catholic church. And she asked the priest if, if, if he would give the last rites to the dog. And the priest said, well, we don't do that here. You have to go to the Presbyterian down the street. And so she said, well, Father, do you think it'll be appropriate if I give the Presbyterian pastor a $25,000 donation for doing the last rites for my dog? And the Catholic priest said, Child, why didn't you tell me you had a Catholic dog? <laughs> now that's a good one. I don't care who you are. Uh, and what's, what's funny about that, some of you are trying to tell that to your friends. You're going to just like mess it up. You're going to really mess it up. You're like the Catholic, the dog, and the Presbyterian, they all had a baby. <laughs> it's just going to mess it all up. <laughs> but you have to learn today that if I'm going to forgive, I've got to do it immediately. You have to forgive immediately. Jesus said, if you're presenting an offering and you feel like a brother or a sister, you have an odd against that, somebody you're in that proximity, that means you have access to, they're in your personal space. Not a person that you've, that you've just let go and you let God have them. 
See, there's a difference. There's personal space of people that you love, people that you admire, respect. You still want relationship. Jesus said you're to forgive that immediately. If, you, if your brother or sister has ought, you gotta, you gotta go to them. Leave your offering, stop praying, and go to them and forgive, forgive them immediately. But do you know what I've learned? That the older you get and the, and the, and the better you get in life, in other words, what I mean by that is you, you get more productive, working, doing good, honoring God, doing good. I've learned that the more that we do that and the older that we get, the, the harder it is to forgive. You know why? Because now we're good. I can, I can understand why you had problems with me before I was saved. But now I'm a good guy. I'm hecka kind. I'm handsome. I'm a good person. And when now when you do things, that offense comes. And it's, I don't know about you, but it's harder to forgive people the older that you get. You say, well, I, you should love Jesus more and you should forgive more. I'm not holy like you, I guess. I find it when the more better strides you do in life and the more good things you do for the Lord and the kingdom, when offenses come, you really got to dig down in those scriptures so that root of bitterness doesn't come up. What do you mean you're saying that about me at work? What do you mean you're saying about me? You're my family member. We're family. What do you mean that you're saying that stuff about me? I know what that social meaning is. That's my name in there. Look at I that they're talking about me. Paranoia sets in. And then we start thinking to ourselves, man, how can they? But we have to learn to forgive immediately. We have to learn to let it go immediately. So how often shall I forgive? You know, Peter asked that question. And when he asked that question, I love Jesus responds to him because Peter said, how often shall I forgive, Lord? In Jewish law, according to the Torah, if you forgave somebody, there were levels of forgiveness. There really was. If you forgave somebody once, you're a good person. If you forgave somebody twice, you were above and beyond. But if you forgave somebody, according to the Torah, three times, you were approaching sainthood. That's, what, that's why Peter said, Lord, how often shall I forgive? Three times? What he wanted Jesus to say is, Peter, you truly are a super saint. And Jesus says, no, no, not three times, seven times 70, 490 times. What was Jesus saying? He wasn't saying, forgive 389 and then the, the 400 or four, uh, 489 and then 490th, whack them with the side of the head. No, no, he was saying, forgive and until it becomes a habit. Forgive until it becomes a habit. Forgive immediately and forgive until it becomes a habit because there's freedom in forgiveness. Can we stand together all over the room this morning? I believe that there's freedom in this room today for us to experience the joy of our salvation again by forgiving ourselves, number one, and forgiving the ultimate one that has hurt us. For some of us, that's difficult. It's a mother, it's a father, it's an ex-spouse, it's a church member, it's a family member. It's somebody, someone that is close to us that hurt us. That's how offenses always work. It's people that were close to us. I wasn't going to share this story, even though time has gotten away, but it's true. It, you need to hear it. My daddy had gotten saved the next Sunday after I had given my life to Christ. And he had radically been delivered from drugs. Or, and just supernaturally, he was delivered. And he was a changed man. And I had the wonderful privilege to watch his transformation and his change. 
But after time went by and years went by, I had one particular season of life years ago when he was living that I was letting the enemy beat me up on my upbringing. And man, I started getting real mad going on. You, know, you ever had a real mad? I mean, you're, you're, you're doing something and before you know it, you got a real hot tamale anger going on. I was upset how he, what he did to me, my family, my brothers, my mother. And I, and I remember thinking, you know, he's never repented of that. You know, he, he's never told me he's sorry. And I was going to go down to Sacramento where he lived and t- tell him. I'm a man of God. I was going to go down. I resolved I'm going to drive down there and I'm going to tell him how much he hurt me and what he did. And then I, as sure as I'm standing here, a check in my heart. What good is that going to do? What good would it do to tell him that? What good would it do? See, that's what some people do. I forgive you for blah, 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 vomit. I forgive you for your blah. You're like, I'm just trying to do good now. And what happens is that brings condemnation and shame. And the Lord taught me a valuable lesson of forgiveness. I said, what good would that do, Joey? Would that help him? Would that edify him? Would that lift him up in the spirit? Would that make him come closer to me? And I says, no. He says, so why do you want to do that? I says, I don't. And you know, my daddy passed away a year and a half ago or so. And he passed away not one time ever, him and I, discussing any of his past. Not one time. It was like God, the Holy Spirit, erased it out of his mind. And I chose not to ever bring it up again. And we, and I, he, he's with the Lord today, and I don't have any regrets. I just regret he was, I wish he was still here with us. But this is the root of bitterness. It shortens the grace of God. You have a beautiful flower up top, but when this root takes effect, it starts affecting family. It starts affecting others. Now the ugly roots begin to show. The flower begins to die. And this root starts progressing and taking on people and people start building walls of offense and not bridges of help. And now this root takes place and it starts to defile many. It starts to go over here and it goes into this family and it starts to go to this church and it starts to badmouth this pastor and it starts to badmouth this ministry and it starts to badmouth this workplace environment and this home and this family and this root of bitterness and they do it in Jesus name. And I'm telling you today, don't Don't let the root steal the fruit. Let it go and let God forgive yourself. Plant yourself in the things of God and in the kingdom of God. And let today be a freedom day. 